Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 128 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And we want to wish you a happy new year. This is our first podcast of 2023. And I hope you all had a very nice holiday season and got a lot to cover. And a lot of things uh, happened while we were uh, on our holiday break for a week. So uh, there was a new law passed, and that did impact the payment coming up in 2023. So we wanted to update you on what happened and how that's going to impact you. And then also we had a question come in on Modifier 25, and uh, Mark, Ray, and I had a long discussion about this, uh, just trying to clarify it and understand and, and make sure that we can clarify it for you all or help uh, maybe clear some of the questions up on modifier 25 as it is becoming more scrutinized. So uh, with that, uh, Mark and Ray, anything to add, first of all, uh, in the new year? And then uh, and then we'll follow it up with the discussion of the new law and how it impacts. So uh, Mark, anything you want to say looking, uh, looking forward? Well, as, a, as we always start out a new year and look at kind of what is going to potentially come down the pipeline. Um, you know, we we know we've got a lot of interesting issues facing us this year. Um, you know, we've we definitely have uh, some economic storms a brewing. I think it's hard not to recognize that or see that coming down the pipeline with interest rates going up, uh, inflation everywhere cost pressures on the offices um, increasing uh, staffing uh, across the country remains a big issue um, and 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 patient payments are a big issue um, so you know as you face all these issues and and know unfortunately that they're probably are going to get a little bit worse um, as the year progresses so um, in addition to kind of all the other ratchet ups that the insurance companies are going to do, um, you've got to watch your patients. 
Um, and you've got to do what you can to work with your staff to keep them um, happy uh, and financially healthy, um, but also understand as you've as you're juggling staff issues, you know your your loyal employees that stay are picking up a a lot of work, um, you know, as they cover for other people, because the billing and coding world, you know, even though it should be getting easier, is is not. I mean, basically, the billing process with prior authorizations and pre-service work uh, is getting more difficult. Um, and if you miss those things, it makes it harder on the back end. So that the billing process is not getting easier. Uh, so uh, take that into account as you look at what your employees are doing. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is the insurance companies, when they look down the road and they see what's happening, um, they're going to lose a bunch of people off of Medicaid programs that were supporting some of what they were doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see yet another ratchet up of these insurance companies um, trying to cut back on what they're paying. It's not going to be um, a, a nice, easy year, unfortunately. So diligence and and basic big business block and tackle procedures and protocols prior to the visit are, you know, they have been of utmost importance, but they are going to be even more so um, as we look into 23 and 24. And then uh, the only other thing I will say in all of this is that the best thing about all of this, because there, there is a silver lining in this crowd, is we still have a lot of people aging, and mm -hmm. we have a shortage of urologists. So it's not like there's a shortage of business to be provided um, and services to be provided. So figuring out how to to extend what you can do day to day without overloading your staff or yourselves um, those are things that, that are going to be, I think, the focus of 23, efficiency. All right. Ray, any thoughts? Well, it's not often that we get to give really good information, good uh, uh, positive information, but this time we can. The ENM documentation guidelines are truly what I call kind of back to the future. Uh, prior to 1992 and the change in the guidelines, which took us to five levels instead of three levels of codes, and then they started putting out the documentation guidelines in 95 and 97, we used to do what you call a soap note, and that was a medically necessary history and physical and then you documented uh, everything you did for diagnosis and, and treatment, you know, everything you needed for good patient care. And finally, we're back there with the new documentation guidelines where they've adopted uh, the same guidelines that they used for outpatient for your inpatient codes. So it's simplified things for us. They still have firewalls that you have to really pay attention to your documentation. And it's become more and more important for physicians, yes, all of you, to truly know the rules and regs in order to efficiently 
document and code for services provided. All right. Yep, we uh very excited for uh, the new year and kind of what we have uh, on in the in the works and we'll be sharing that with you uh, over the next uh, few podcasts. All right. Mark, do you want to bring us up to speed on uh, on what what happened in uh, what what changed? And it's it's a bit of good news, not super good uh, news, but yeah. Yes. So remember that as we were uh, looking at uh, pre-Christmas that um, we were talking about a four percent paygo cut, the statutory paygo sequester um, that was going to be uh, implemented on January one. Um, and then we were looking at a four and a half percent cut to the physician fee schedule. Um, so that was definitely, uh, a, you know, and then we had the one percent RVU adjustment um, that was in the in the actual uh, documentation from Medicare on the fee schedule. So the one percent RVU, um, which is for urology overall, uh, stayed in place. Um, now, when we look at the um, the statutory pay-as-you-go, that 4%, that sequester has been suspended um, for 2023, and it looks like 2024 as part of the Omnibus Budget Act for uh, that extended all the spending through September of 2023. Um, so they did say that the legislation is going to prevent the 4% paygo uh, for at least two years. Um, and then they did go back into the physician fee schedule and they reduced the physician cut from 4.5% down to 2%. So we're not quite celebrating zero, um, but we, we are left celebrating a smaller cut. So, uh, my, you know, greater than half. Um, so we're going to see a reduction in the conversion factor of 2%. And then they actually extended that to looks like they're going to uh, hold the cut in Medicare physician fee schedule in 2024 to approximately 3%. So um, we are going to see decreasing uh, payment per service based on that conversion factor, but not at the levels that were programmed in by law. Um, at that, that, uh, which would have been, so we were facing nine and a half percent for urology. Now it's three. Um, and then next year we're looking at it at least three, um, or close to three, uh, for 2024. So that was indeed, um, good news, but you know, once again, not a, not a full out win, but at least it wasn't a full on loss. All right. Sounds good. And uh, and did you want to mention anything about, about the telehealth that uh, came in, or was that still the same? So I haven't gotten through the telehealth, but I believe that telehealth is extended to 2020, the end of 2024. And I'm trying to, to finalize that interpretation. But my understanding was is that the, that is extended um, through toward the end of 2024. Okay. And we'll update you all, uh, when we, when Mark gets through that, we'll, we'll update on a future podcast. 
Okay. Well, thanks for that. And uh, let's get on to modifier 25. And and the question that we had that came in um, basically was talking about the NCCI interpretation of modifier 25. And uh, the the person said that their urologist is has been told that they can't bill a hospital consult if they, uh, you know, for example, insert a, a stent or perform a ureteroscopy on the same day. Uh, so they can't use a modifier 25. And uh, the, the wording is that uh, they're being told that, uh, you know, with all the audits coming in that, that they can't build a modifier 25 in that situation because it is uh, not unrelated to the decision for surgery. That's that's kind of the the paraphrasing of the question. So, uh, Mark Ray, do you want to kind of elaborate on what what they were getting at and why the question has come up again? <laughs> Take it away, Mark. Well, I'm going to let you go first today on this one. It's a new year. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, uh, you know, the the NCCI has a word in there, or added a phrase, unrelated to the decision, to what Medicare has added to the, de- uh, has in their definition of a 25 modifier. So that really brings up the issue what is unrelated to the procedure that is also significant and separately identifiable in an E&M service that you provide on the same day as a procedure. So uh, there's several interpretations you can make. One is what is the payer going to, to determine when they audit your charts? But the other is what should it be? And the entire concept of medical decision-making is to pay you for your time and your thought process and the, all the stuff you go through in making a decision. So we're trying to decide where you draw the line between uh, what is related to the decision and what is separately identifiable from the uh, entire uh, surgical package. So, uh, obviously, anytime you're thinking and you're going through differential diagnosis and you're going through history and physical, you know, that's outside the surgical package. So, Mark, how do you phrase that to win the audit when they come after you for using a 25? So, so a couple things. So, one, um, you know, this has been in the NCCI rules for quite a while. Um, and, and the way the NCCI uh, instruction manual reads, um, there are several points in which they address the appropriate use of modifier 25. Um, And in some cases, they're a little more detailed than in others, Um, but there is a a small phrase in the the, uh, E&M section that talks about that, you know, the E&M 
a significant separately identifiable service unrelated to the decision before minor surgery is separately reportable. And, you know, we have always interpreted this is that, you know, if a patient is coming in specifically for a surgery um, and you are, and then this is specific to a minor procedure, right? A zero or a 10 day global because the global includes the decision to perform the, the minor surgical procedure. So if the patient is coming in um, specifically for a minor procedure, um, again, with a zero or 10 day global, then your decision at that point in time, even if you've never seen the patient before, to go ahead and perform that procedure would include you know, looking at the patient and making sure they're healthy enough and making sure that's the right patient and, and everything lines up uh, to go ahead and do the procedure. So you're deciding to do that procedure. Um, but if that patient is coming in with a complaint um, and you have to go through a full E&M workup in order to determine what the next step in care for that that patient is. You're going through multiple options. You're making a clear uh, uh, and separate identifiable E&M service-related effort to determine how best to deal with that patient's complaint. That is not related to the decision to the procedure that is a separately identifiable service. So it's really about that drawing that line between diagnosing the patient, walking through all the options, and then making sure and, and that's separate, but making sure the patient's okay to have that procedure and anything related to that particular encounter for that service that day after we kind of know what we're going to do, um, that would be included. And that's really, I think, what that issue really is. It's, you know, your decision to perform the minor surgical procedure um, is whether or not that patient's healthy enough, it's the right patient, and that all of the complaints and history line up to perform that pr- particular procedure. All right. So, so with that, um, Ray, do you, uh, after hearing that and, and, uh, going through that, did you have anything you wanted to add to that discussion? Yeah, I think that, uh, that's a good stance to take and that ought to be where we stay. We say we are, and that's our story and we're going to stick with it and we'll go to all links in an audit to to prove to the payer that that was extra and beyond the 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 global package and was uh, and and when they say it's related to the decision this is extra work prior to the decision and we should be paid for it uh, well let me so, bump in really quick I think what you're you, what you're saying is your documentation needs to actually support that as well, right? So that's the that's the the I think the issue that a lot of these payers are looking for is 
how do you demonstrate in your documentation that it is significant and separately identifiable um, from the decision to perform the procedure? So, you know, when you're going through that overall process of working up the patient and, and going through all of those issues that are not specifically the decision to go ahead with the procedure, that's the documentation that we can defend. So that I just wanted to add that in. Well, Mark, so, we've been working together much too long because that was exactly the point I was getting to. You need to know what the rules are so you can document completely, not only for your clinical, but to justify on a payment level exactly what you've done. And if you go in with a documentation that says, patient has a stone, we're going to go ahead with the surgery, I spent X number of time with them and so forth, that's going to be denied. But if you go through your pro, pro, thought process in your documentation and you document it as Mark mentioned, then you should be okay. All right. Okay. Hopefully we uh, cleared that up and discuss that more. And the more we discuss it and the more we uh, add examples and uh, clarification of this topic, I, I know it's a complex and complicated uh, issue because we've had plenty of questions and plenty of uh, uh, interpretations of this. So, so we want to just keep talking about it and keep that clarification coming. Okay, with that, we'll wrap this up. Uh, Mark, any final thoughts? So the I will say I did quickly while we're on the thing double check and yes, we're telehealth is extended through. December 31st, 2024, um, under the current rules, which allow for billing telephone only. Um, and um, it does allow for uh, new patients and for the current PE rules, waiving the geographic restrictions. So we're good with that. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I definitely double-checked and confirmed that. I'd read it in two or three sites, but I wanted to look at the legislation quickly, so I did that. So we're good with that. And so telehealth is here to stay um, at least through 24, and and given everybody else, it's going to be there longer. So incorporate it, and, and uh, certainly it's a better start to the new year than we had hoped, um, but actually than we thought but not quite as good as we'd hoped. <laughs> All right, Ray? Uh, nope. I think that we have a good story. We ought to stick with it. Okay. All right, with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. <laughs>